Well, I have a very, uh, a weird question for you at the start. Uh, is there anyone who loves drinking water in the room? Any, any water drink, who just love, like the, the idea of drinking water kind of excites you? I love water. I am... Um, I recently, when I say recently, in the last like five years, I made the switch from drinking Coke a lot. I love Coke. And, uh, and switching to, to sparkling water. Boy, sparkling water's a good time. Water and sparkling water, that's all you need. Yeah, anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> I won't say I'm an expert at uh, water or drinking water or, or the types of water, but Hear me out, hear me out. I've lived in a fair few places over my life. And I want to tell you that the water that comes out of the tap is different in all those places. Now in Adelaide, if you've lived here a long time, you probably don't know, but the water here is terrible. I I knew that there'd be some people who said no. But in comparison, Adelaide, I'm used to it now and I, I don't mind Adelaide water. It's fine, you know, filtered is probably better, but... I don't mind Adelaide. I remember as a kid visiting my papa and I remember having a bath in Adelaide water as a kid and the bath was kind of brown (laughs) and remembering thinking, yeah, it was a long time ago. I'm pretty old now. But but I've also lived in, I've lived in Melbourne and can I tell you that Melbourne water is just, it's unsurprisingly, it's a little bit delicious. It's actually good. Melbourne water is, is very good, which you wouldn't think from a bigger city. But, but can I tell you, I can go one step even further, and that is that I lived in Hobart for a fair few years. And the water in Hobart is like no other. It is amazing. It is, it is it's clear. It's like straight from, you can see where the, where the water's come from. Mount Wellington, full of snow. It's just amazing. Anyway, you're all like, Nath's lost it. He's, he's been collecting Red Shield too much. He's talking about different types of water. Uh, but I actually can top it one more time from Hobart. And that is that uh, Susie and I were lucky enough to, to go overseas a fair few years ago. And, uh, and as part of our trip there, we left the kids who were quite young at the time with, with mum and dad, and we headed across to Germany and Austria. And in that trip, we, uh, we did some really fun things and we saw amazing, beautiful sights. And we actually spent a couple of nights in Austria. And, and uh, as part of that as part of that trip, we, we went up to Birchdus Garden the, and the Eagle's Nest and kind of l- overlooked amazing scenery, uh, obviously horrific uh, history involved, but the most beautiful sight. And as we stood up there in kind of these huge mountains, we saw Koenigsee, which is this, it's just the lake and it's full of fresh water and we went the next day and we were like, we're going to go have a look at this. And they take out these electric boats. And the tour guide, we got on the wrong boat. <laughs> and, 
And the tour guide spoke in German. And so we sat there looking like idiots, Susie recognising about every third or fourth word. But we did read in a brochure that the water in that sea is, is pure drinking water. So they take these boats out who are the heavy regulated. Anyway, they dropped us off at another point where there's this old church and you walk up and there's a stream or a river that comes down from the Alps. And they said all the water is straight from the Alps. It's, it's pure and pristine. You can drink it. All, like any of this water, you can drink. It's amazing. And so we, we took a trek into kind of the woods. It was amazing and beautiful. And, and I was like, Susie, they said we can drink this water. I'm going for it. And I kind of kneeled the side of the creek and I just start like slurping it up. I've got a bottle in my back. I fill it up. I, I'm guzzling this water, just going, it's, it was like ice cold out of a fridge because it had come down from the Alps. So I was like, this is the best water I have ever drunk. And I was kind of high on the, the experience. And then we kept walking down the track and heard some splashing. And upstream a little bit, we saw some people and they'd been walking their dogs and the dogs were all bathing in the water. There was, there was about three or four dogs just kind of jumping around in the water that I had literally been drinking that had come off the dogs. The dog added the extra taste. It was good. I felt a bit sick, to be honest, but, you know, what an experience. We are looking at a, at a new series that we started last week called Streams in the Wasteland. And if you were with us last week, uh, you'll know. And if you weren't, maybe chuck a listen on SoundCloud or Spotify. But, but we explored Ezekiel's vision that he had. And it was a vision that God had given Ezekiel for a time when the Israelites were displaced. They were, they were actually kind of as captives with the Babylonians. And the, Israel, the Israelis were, were uh, out of hope. The Jewish people had lost all hope. And God had given Ezekiel this vision. And this vision, vision started with, with a, a little stream pouring out from the temple in Jerusalem. And the stream, as it pours out of the temple and down the steps and heads east, the stream gets bigger and bigger, turns into a river that then flows into the Dead Sea. And as this river goes, life follows. Wherever the river is, life follows. And it was a vision of how God wants to pour out His Spirit. That His Spirit wasn't just for the temple anymore, but it was for all people in all places. And that wherever God's Spirit goes, life springs up. So much so that it... That it turns the Dead Sea back to life. And there's fruit trees all around the Dead Sea in this vision. We then, uh, we then last week just explored quickly in John 7. Well, there's a festival that, that, that celebrated that whole thing and, and the priests would pour water down the temple. And Jesus actually makes a bold claim. He says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. This morning, we're, we're kind of looking along a similar line, knowing all of that in our heads, right? Are you with me? We kind of got that as background information. We're going to look at another story from John. 
And it, it actually happens earlier than Jesus' claim to, are you thirsty? But it, but it definitely ties in with what we're talking about. And so if you want to turn to John 4, we're going to have a look at the whole chapter almost together. This is a, a familiar story. Um, I know we've probably even explored it here together over the last couple of years. But looking at John 4, starting at, starting at verse 1. Um, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. That's John the Baptist. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? We're going to pause here for a second and we're just going to explore what's already happened because there's quite a few things that when we look at this story, they're out of place. So we need to look at it and we, we need to kind of ask the question, well, what's wrong with this picture? The first one is that, well, Jesus is a holy man. He's actually a religious teacher. He's, he's a rabbi. And, and as a Jewish man, especially like, like as a religious leader, he would never have been alone with a woman. It just wasn't what would happen. It was to protect himself. It was to protect the woman around rumours. It was about, you know, seeing to be doing the right thing. But we find ourselves in a situation where Jesus is alone with a woman who isn't his wife. And I can tell you that the, the people who first heard this story, that would have sparked a fair bit of interest. There was something that's not quite right about that story. The second thing that we see in this is, did you notice that it was noontime? Did you see that John wrote very clearly, it happened at noon. Women uh, at this time would have gone to the well in the morning. Altogether, they would have done it because there's safety in numbers. Uh, also, we've got to remember it's a hot climate. And so actually, to get water, you'd leave closer to the start of the day or kind of heading in towards afternoon. And so we see, actually, that there's a woman standing at the well drawing water at noontime. And so it probably gives us a good clue as to what's going on with this woman, that actually this woman is a bit of an outcast in her village, Maybe it was, maybe it was self-protection for her. Maybe she didn't want to face the whispers and the stories, the looks of the other women in the village. Maybe it was as uh, actually she was told, don't come with us. 
Maybe she was never invited. Either way, we're looking at a woman who is a bit of an outcast. Not particularly welcome with the others. Let's go back to the story quickly because that'll, that'll come to play in a second. Verse 10. Jesus replied to the woman asking, why are you asking? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? All right, we'll stop again. We've got some information behind us, but let's unpack what's happening. We hear this phrase, living water. Do we remember hearing living water last week in those, those passages? The living water that, that kind of spread out from the temple. Now for us as an audience, we hear living water and my mind goes straight to who Jesus is and that's growing up in church and hearing stories and, and hearing scripture before. Uh, but can you imagine, just for a second, for us, if we didn't have the Jesus context, if someone asked us for living water or mentioned living water, that, that's a weird phrase, isn't it, for us in Western thinking? But again, in context, the word, the, the kind of the phrase living water wasn't an uncommon phrase for people at that time. It wasn't like this weird idea if we heard it. It, it actually... There were three sources of water for, for the people in kind of the Near East at that time, Middle East. And, uh, and there were cisterns, which were, I, I like to think of like mini dams, where a cistern was something that where you, you dug out a little, a little patch and you, you coated it with maybe some limestone clay or something, and you just waited for water to collect in that cistern. Now, you can imagine... There is water in there, but that water probably isn't the cleanest. It allows things to kind of grow in it. But that's one source. The other source, the next source, was there were wells. Wells that you had to dig really deep. Uh, again, that kind of collected water, but also you were kind of getting from the ground. So some of them were, were really deep. Again, uh, not, not as filthy as potentially the cistern, but also it did allow for things to, to grow and it did depend on a lot of things, whether, whether that well uh, was full or not. The third was flowing water, uh, a river or a, a stream. And the flowing water is the cleanest, the, the freshest. It wasn't stagnant. It didn't allow, you know, insects and other things to grow in it. Uh, it was moving. It was the best water. And this water was known by people as living water. So when someone says living water in, in Bible context, they meant a, a flowing stream of water. Water that was good for you. The best type of water there was. We have to remember in this story, 
we're not talking about lush green fields. We're not talking about a place with lots of streams. We're not talking about the, the Austrian Alps. This is the Middle East. It wasn't exactly sandy desert, but it was also quite dry land. Definitely not that lush place. Having water was pretty important for, for life, wasn't it? It was absolutely valuable, essential to life being there. So when Jesus offers living water to this woman who's at the well, you can imagine she's, she's up for living water. And she's imagining this stream of living water. Ah, I don't have to draw from the well today. I can draw from living water. And of course, the woman is like, Jesus, but where, where are you talking about this living water? Do you think that you have better water available for us? If we look back to our, our scripture, starting at verse 13, Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you, you don't have a husband, you, for you've had five husbands and, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. We'll pause again. When we paused earlier, we asked, what's wrong with this picture? Will we get a, a bit of a clue maybe as to this woman's situation? I really hate that in this story we don't have a name for the woman. Don't you hate that? I hate having to say the woman all the time. At Rev, we would have just voted and given her a name, but I feel like we probably shouldn't do that. Uh, this woman. Now, can I just say at the, at the forefront, I believe wholeheartedly in this conversation, this isn't Jesus condemning this woman. This isn't actually Jesus passing judgment. This is actually Jesus just saying, I have knowledge of your situation. And I think that you are searching for something. And he wasn't like, I don't think Jesus was saying, no, you have this. I actually think he would have come with something better in mind for her. You see, for a woman to not have a husband, again, in context, meant that she didn't have safety or security. And we can understand for this woman, for her to be seeking out, making sure that she did have a husband or a partner, meant security for her, for her future. And I don't think Jesus was judging her or, or, or trying to point that out in a way that made her feel shame. I think that what happened is that Jesus was pointing to maybe a deeper issue. I believe that this woman was looking 
for life. But she was trying to get life from the wrong source. We know drinking water is good, don't we? But no matter how good that water is, whether it's the Austrian Alps or Adelaide tap water, we will, there will always be a point where we thirst for water again, won't there? Like we'll always be thirsty again trying to quench our, our thirst. This woman, she was trying to quench her thirst with something that would only require her to keep going back for more. Trying to find life out of relationships. Now, there's nothing wrong with relationships, and relationships are life-giving to us, right? But if they become the only thing we chase, who knows that they actually become a bit of an idol in our life? Where we go, that's where I get my identity from. That's where I get my life from. Who knows that it's not just relationships that that can happen? We know that that can happen with our finances or money. That actually we think that's where we're going to get our life. So that's what we chase. That's what we put first. It might be our status in society. It might be, you know, like, like our business. It might be we can, we can name some things that sometimes we put first. Things that we try and find life from. This morning I want to let you know, those things aren't bad things necessarily, right? And they give us life, limited life. But all of those things, these earthly things require us to keep going back for more, don't they? If, if we're finding life from money, there's no end to that, is there? We keep trying to go back. Jesus, in this story, is offering something greater, more fulfilling, actually life-giving for eternity, not needing top-ups, not needing to keep coming back to, to get my, my thirst quenched again, but actually something that is the greatest source of life, living water, the creator of life himself, something that isn't temporary, something that is eternal. And that thing is Jesus and his spirit within us. Can I tell you, if we look to anything but Jesus, we will thirst again. The source of true life, I believe this morning, is Jesus. We get to a point now in the story where the woman is a bit blown away by Jesus' knowledge of her situation. And she's like, Jesus, sir, you, you must be a prophet. I can't believe you knew that about the details of my life. And Jesus is touching on something that is obviously deeply personal and raw for, for this lady. 
And we see as the scripture goes on, and we, we probably won't read through the whole next bit, but we see that she deflects the conversation a little bit. She starts concentrating instead of the relationship in front of her and what Jesus is offering, she starts concentrating on religion and who is right in her religious beliefs. Um, I'm sure you've heard before, but the the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. In fact, we hear at the start of the story, like Jesus is traveling north. And usually what they would do is they wouldn't even travel through Samaria. They, they would travel around. They'd go the long way around. In this story, it's a, it's a weird case because Jesus obviously must have been in a rush and he's gone through Samaria with his disciples. But, um, but there was a different set of beliefs and the women, woman kind of brings that up. And I, I believe, and in, in N.T. Wright agrees with me, not the other way around, that, that maybe this woman is concentrating on religion. Jesus, again, answers her with a, with a picture that we do see in Ezekiel. She's like, where's the true place to worship? And, and Jesus actually says, can I tell you, there's a time coming where it's not about the place, where God's Spirit will be poured out, like we saw in Ezekiel, to all the world. And that people will worship in spirit and in truth. That it won't be about the place. It's not going to be about God will pour out his spirit available for all. Not just in the temple. So we'll, we'll kind of brush over that, but it's worth mentioning that bit. Uh, verse 25. Let's have a look. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? Again, What's wrong with this picture? The disciples come back and they see it and they're freaked out a little bit. But none are game enough to question Jesus. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in these, their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. This woman... Here's an invitation from Jesus. Come and have this living water. He tells her who he is and he tells her that he is the source of that living water. That he is the Messiah. That he is here to save the world. And we see the woman do something. We see her turn 180 degrees, don't we? She meets Jesus, she turns 180, 
she runs back to the village. But in the act of turning 180, it makes me think of her repenting. That actually she realised where her source had been. And she found a source that actually gave her life. It gave her life so much that she was so excited to turn and tell the rest of the village, wasn't she? She turns towards home, filled with the outpouring that Jesus had given her, and the overflow spreads throughout the whole village. And we hear that Jesus spends time. Today I want the same for us right here in this room. I want us to go, we're going to spend some time and we're going to think, is there something that I'm trying to find life from that isn't the right source? The answer, my friends, this morning is that Jesus is the source of all life. Not a life that's going to let you down, not a life that you have to go back to 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 try and get more of, but something that will sustain you for eternity. Something that will bring life for all time. We've, we've talked a, a bit about this rhythm of repenting before, haven't we? We're actually, it's very easy to get our eyes off of Jesus. It's very easy for us to go, ah, oh, I'm a bit distracted, I'll concentrate on this. And the act of repenting is just turning our eyes back to Jesus. Going, Jesus, actually, all these other things, they pale in comparison to who you are and the life that you can bring. So we're going to have a time where we just enter into repentance. Again, it's not a shame thing, just like the woman. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't shaming or condemning. He wasn't putting her down, but he was naming what the deeper issue was. There's a psalmist writes, God, search my heart. Find like anything of off, like offense to you. Search it out. We're going to pray that prayer together in a second, and we're going to Make sure that we again go back to the source of life. But we sang, we sang some words this morning. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. We see God pour his spirit out. Jesus, in that moment where the woman turned back to her village and the overflowing of God's spirit in her meant other people met Jesus. This series is, is uh, uh, streams in the wasteland. I believe that what God does in us is he brings life to us, but through us he will bring life to our neighbourhoods. He'll bring life to our families. He'll bring life through us to our workplaces, to our schools. Do we believe that? We sang, pour your spirit out. And I love, there's a line, fragrance of heaven. You know, I, I'm going to embarrass him, but you can tell when my dad has held a baby. If you know, you know. But my dad wears nice cologne. And if he has held a baby, you can smell, you can smell on that baby that my dad has held it. 
Has anyone experienced this? There's a few. If not, you now know. Sorry to embarrass you. Do you know what? I, I love that picture. What if wherever we went, the fragrance of heaven was left behind? The people knew that God had been there. We want to be people full of the Spirit, don't we? That when we're there, people can smell the fragrance of heaven. Jesus offers that to us. And we're going to pray for that this morning. Can we just pray? Uh, I'm going to get Dan and if you can just play through that song. I think we'll, we'll sing it together. God, creator, source of all life, we thank you that you offer that life to us today. We thank you that you are enough. We thank you that you offer eternal life. God, we thank you for, you know, those other sources in our life of, of relationships and friendships. But right now we order things rightly, correctly with you first. We ask in these moments again, God, that you pour out your spirit. Search our heart, O oh God. Do we need to repent? What have we put before you? What have we been searching for life in? We want to lay that down and we want to point our eyes back to you, Jesus. We repent. We thank you that you are a gracious, loving God who is kind, who is full of forgiveness. And you offer us life. Holy Spirit, in these moments as we, as we sing, as we reflect, as we pray, pour your Spirit out. May we carry with us that fragrance of heaven.